Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The double is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. 3-0 win against Colchester United, a 4-0 trouncing of AZ Alkmaar gives Manchester United fans some hope that another brilliant spell might be on the way. But inconsistency is the story of the season for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side and a home draw against Everton is a reminder of that. We're talking about all three of those games, Mason Greenwood, the midfield, VAR and more in Series 5, Episode 19 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. And as always, there's our youth loan and women's roundup as well. We're talking the day after a what is actually quite an important win against Colchester, uh, League Two Colchester side, but three goals, uh, a difficult first half in which United weren't very good, but then three pretty good goals, and United now have two massive games against Manchester City in January to get to uh, what would be the, the first final under Oligan Solskjaer. Yeah, it was an important win against Colchester. I think the Carabao Cup represents our best opportunity to win some silverware this year, and regardless of you know what we might think about the Carabao Cup and the fact it might not be the most prestigious competition Manchester United should always be about winning trophies and even if the the league season doesn't pan out the way that that we hope it will winning a trophy has a massive impact on both the players and the fan base so we should be going all out in this competition the Colchester game was not very good in the first half I tweeted at half time that I didn't think we were we were winning the game in normal time it just seemed like a, a classic 2019 
United game of being totally unable to to break down a, a team that sits deep. But I think in the end, the golfing quality showed and really it took one attack of us finally being able to get in behind that ended up leading to the goal. And once that happened, the floodgates opened really. Getting that second goal very quickly after the first one was crucial. And, uh, you know, I think once we got that second goal, it was pretty much game over. Well, the the Marcus Rashford goal, the ball went from the hands of, of Sergio Romero to Marcus Rashford scoring it in, I think it was 12.1 seconds I saw tweeted. This is a United time that's, that's built to counter-attack and is arguably one of the best counter-attacking sides in the country. And the the problem is that it's it, it's probably right to say, even though it is, it's it's frustrating. It's probably the the right thing to say that this United side is incredibly one dimensional. It lacks variety. The things that it is good at, it's exceptionally good at. And and you see that when United got the chance to uh, open the scoring with a counter attack, they did it against Colchester, and then United started to break them down a bit more. Um, and that that's kind of the same thing we saw. We haven't spoken since uh, the Azad Alkmaar game. That was a four 0 win. United again. The first half was pretty pretty dire came out for the second half and scored I think four goals within 11 minutes this is is not the first time it's happened Colchester as an outmarsh Sheffield United away these are three games where United have got in front and then suddenly got a flurry of goals three four whatever it may be that's kind of the what you have to accept at United at the moment if we're looking at the Everton game until they sign either a creative midfielder or a seriously good player to play in that number 10 role yeah we don't have the quality to to break teams down when they're sitting in deep blocks and we don't move the ball quickly you know you you, you watch Man City play against deep blocks and, and Liverpool when they're on fire and you watch them and, and the ball moves very very quickly despite the fact that they're playing against a deep block and the movement is dragging people all over the place but crucially as you said they have the quality in that number 10 position in either David Silva Kevin De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva be able to pick a pass and to be able to unlock defences that are sitting very deep and trying to keep things compact we don't have that at the moment and despite the fact that Marcus Rashford is a game changer for us at least in this kind of form when you're playing against teams sitting that deep it's very very difficult for someone with his style to be able to do too much and you saw the first goal against Colchester was a perfect example of that it was really the first time in the game that Colchester had come on to us they'd come out and attack and left space for us to exploit in behind as soon as we do that, Matic gets the ball from Romero and, and plays a long pass that gets Rashford in behind and and we and we score straight away. It is a recurring problem and it happened for long periods against Everton as well when we drew against Everton that we, we're, we aren't able to move the ball quickly enough, our movement isn't good enough and we don't have the people with any players with the, the vision and the ability to pick that final pass. And probably the one person in our squad who might be capable of that is, is Paul Pogba, who's obviously only played a handful of games all season. Yeah, it's 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 this weird fact that you have to accept that if Pogba comes back and does play for United again, I think there are a lot of United fans and, and listeners to this podcast that would think he won't play for United again and that he, he is set to leave. If he does come back, it's this, it's this interesting balance of he's obviously probably the only player on the United side that can help them break down these these sides that sit deep and I think the the games coming up for United against Watford against Newcastle and they're Burnley away those are three games where United could struggle these are games United should be winning we'll always say it but they're, they're ones that this is a kind of game that United certainly Solskjaer's United but also Mourinho's and Van Gaal's will struggle in Pogba could change that but at the same time he doesn't give you the the work rate and the pressing that someone like Jesse Lingard does now 
that presents a problem for United because their system and their their game is going to have to change slightly, certainly in the big games as well. And it's this weird conundrum where United might be better with Popper in the side against small teams, but actually worse against the big teams when Paul Pop is playing. Forgetting that, I think focusing on the Everton game in particular, it's, it's very clear that United need someone. If that's going to be Paul Pop or someone else, it, it doesn't really matter, but matter coming on for Lingard to try and break down Everton kind of sums it up. These are not players who can break down a well-organised Premier League defence and it's it's been made abundantly clear United's need for a creative midfielder and it, it's been clear for a couple of years, unfortunately. Well, I, I think that the, the big conundrum when you're talking about Paul Pogba is, as you just said, it's Pogba could unlock this defence. Pogba has the ability to unlock the defence and he does. And we have seen that that he has that ability. The problem is that it doesn't come consistently enough. So if and when Pogba does come back into the side, it's not only that he might only be beneficial for us against the smaller sides, it's also the question of which Pogba are we going to get? And that's that's been the big problem throughout his United career, despite all the wonderful moments that he's provided. But I think you're right about Pogba being potentially... A, a big bonus for us against the smaller teams, but maybe not against the bigger teams due to his sort of deficiencies defensively. And I think that's why you saw Jose Mourinho try and, and push Pogba further forward against some of the big boys in his final season at United, because I think he saw that, that he couldn't really live without Pogba's attacking talent on the pitch. You know, how do you leave a player with that sort of ability out of the side? But the issue was that it didn't come consistently enough and it came at, a big detriment to us defensively. And so he tried to push Pogba further forward to, to mean that his sort of deficiencies defensively weren't such a big deal, but it obviously didn't really work. And I think it will be really interesting to see how Pogba is integrated back into this side, because I think he will play for United again. I don't see him leaving in January. He's obviously just had this new illness setback uh, that's delayed his return to training. But when he does come back, it's going to be on Ollie to try and use him in the best way possible, but also not disrupt well, has now become a pretty fluent side going forward, at least against the bigger teams. Yeah, we won't we won't delve into Paul Pogba's uh, activities anymore. The United fans, uh, well, the United fan base is probably more split on this than anything else, except Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. To be fair, just a little more on the Colchester game in particular and and the League Cup. I was I was surprised by the lineup to a certain extent. Experienced players over youth for the majority of it. No sign of of Angel Gomez, Heath Chong, Jimmy Garner did come on, so did Brandon Williams, but Rashford and Martial starting, Matic as well, not quite sure why Matic was playing, but this was clearly a strong side from Solskjaer, and he, having heard him speak after the Everton game, previewing the Colchester game, he it, it's very clear that he really wants to win the League Cup, and he wants it to be his, his kicking point for this United side. I think the, the the problem with this United side is that they've had a couple of those, winning the FA Cup under Van Gaal, winning the League Cup and Europa League under Mourinho. It's it's never proved to be the uh, the Mark Robbins FA Cup moment for for Sir Alex Ferguson, down to down to so many reasons, but undoubtedly it it makes complete sense why Solskjaer is pushing for this. And one year on from I think the Colchester game was one year to the day from when he was appointed Manchester United manager. United are into the semi-finals of the League Cup. They've got two Manchester derbies coming up. They're a few points off the the top four. Have if somehow after a terrible start to the season, and they they've signed a few good players under Solskjaer. And after the the game against Colchester, Andreas Pereira comes out and says, uh, "Hopefully Solskjaer's going to stay for many more years." This is clearly a well-liked manager. And a year on, the first half against Colchester wasn't great. The Everton game was really bad, but 
I, th- I think this is probably the most positive we've been about United for, for some time, or at least certainly for me, even though there are still some, some reservations there. We, we've spoke a lot in the last few weeks about how quickly the mood around the football club can change. You know, we had a great week coming out of the international break, a good few weeks, and then a, a, a terrible week. We had some uh, pretty awful performances and we all thought Solskjaer was really seriously under pressure. Then you have a week like you do when you beat Man City and Spurs and then it all looks rosy again. And I think the the problem is that the I think the fan base is, is just so split on what what we should do. And it's I think because of that, short-term ups and downs really have a huge effect on, on the mood around the club. I think one thing that is definitely clear is that you're right in that Solskjaer is a popular manager with the players. And I think as long as there isn't a ready-made replacement ready to come in, that does bear, should bear a lot of weight in the decision about whether to stick with him or not. Uh, and, and I think regardless of looking towards the future for now, I think we this is probably the most positive outlook we've been able to have for, for, all, for at any point of the season, really. We've had some good performances in a row. Yes, some of the same problems are still there in terms of not being able to break down teams that sit deep. But the signs are looking positive and we, we've had some good impact players coming from, in from the youth academy. You know, I, I think there are positive signs there. It's just about trying to get them in the team more consistently. Yeah, certainly. And I, I understand why some United fans, and this is this is mainly the, the, the Twitter-based Manchester United supporters, I understand why some of them think that there's there's no clear style of play. I'd say that certainly I've I've been disappointed in quite a lot of games not to see United having... There hasn't really been a game plan. But in terms of a style of play, I think it, it is clear what Solskjaer is trying to do. There are, there are limitations with it, and that's partly down to the quality of the players, particularly the midfield. But also, one of the big points I picked up from the, the Everton game was the, the United's full-backs. They, the, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is good enough defensively for now, at, at the age of 20, is good enough defensively that his offensive contributions, which is, is pretty much null, are, are acceptable. On the other side, you've got Luke Shaw offers little going forward and in defence, it was his lapses of concentration that gave Everton the corner which which they scored in the first half. The same is true for Ashley Young. He's, he's okay in attack, actually. He contributes a fair bit, but he's defensively not good enough. United don't have an, any balanced fullback, And the problem with that is when your midfielders clearly aren't good enough to create enough in, in these kind of games, when your strikers are to some extent reliant on their pace and they're very good on the counter-attack but less so at breaking teams down you need something else in your team and Liverpool you look at the variety in their team Henderson's long balls over the top Caters runs into the box the fullbacks are key the forward line do their thing they've got a number of ways of attacking it's the same for all not necessarily top sides but all good sides even the ones lower down the, the table who don't win as many games as United they still have more variety to their game United have one which is to counter and I think it's partly because of the the lack of attacking output from the fullbacks which is another big problem now Brandon Williams has done very well since he came into the side Luke Shaw's now come back in as, as first choice it seems which is a slight concern for me, but United clearly need more from their fullbacks if if they're going to improve. There was a stat on on Monday Night Football on Sky Sports earlier this week that showed that United had, I think it was the fourth highest percentage of attacks that go through the wide areas at something like 76%, I think it was. I can't remember the the exact number, but it was somewhere around there. Only only behind, I think, Sheffield United, Norwich uh, and, and someone else. I can't remember the other team, but... 
the point is, you're right that we don't have much variety to our attack. And so often when we play against teams that sit deep, we don't have the quality. Like I was saying, we don't have that person who can thread the needle and pick a defence apart with passes straight up the middle. And so we sort of spread the ball wide and look to get crosses in the box, but we don't have the quality in wide areas to do that. As you said, our fullbacks offer us very, very little. I mean, it's you know it's a pretty dire situation when Ashley Young probably offers you the best attacking output out of any of the fullbacks that we have available to us. And and so, you know, yes, Aaron Wan-Bissaka was you know, brilliant against Man City, but his, his limitations going forward do come up in a big, big way when we play against teams that sit back. Because not only, obviously, do we need every person we can contributing to us going forward, but the wide areas become so important when we play against those smaller teams because... That's where we're we're getting the most of our attacks coming from. And yet our fullbacks are not offering us anything. The system that Solskjaer plays generally has our wide players coming in field, whether that's Rashford, Greenwood, Dan James, Juan Mata when he plays that wide, Pereira. All of those players are, are those that are looking to come inside. And so we end up with, with a lot of space out yeah. wide, but no one to actually make any use of it because our fullbacks aren't offering us anything. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think Luke Shaw coming in over Brandon Williams is a bit of a worry. I honestly think there isn't much difference between what they offer us at the moment. I'd say they're both probably at a very similar level going forward and in defence, but the one of them is, what, 19 and one of them is 20, 23, 24 and, and probably not going, not likely to improve that much going yeah, forward. One so of them's taking their chances. I think for me, and, Brandon and Williams would be the one you look to start. Yeah, right. Let's, let's talk about a, a very big positive of the last week going back to, uh, well, we're recording this almost exactly a week after United beat Azad Alkmaar 4-0. Mason Greenwood scored twice in that game, two really, really good finishes, and then to top it off against Everton, another reasonably similar finish, which was of, of the highest quality. Um, three goals in two games and, and an assist against Colchester with a great cross that Rashford would have would have stuck home if, if the Colchester defender hadn't put it in his own net. Um, he's offering so much, he's... He's been so effective, so exciting. He's settling in. He's settling in exactly how people expected and exactly how people wanted, and, and how he should be doing. And I, I think the thing with him is that there was no instant impact when he came into the side last season. I'm glad about that because he's meant United have, and they've done this well. To be fair, through a few methods, have been able to keep the attention off him as much as possible. Whether that's been restricting any external interviews, taking him out of the team for a couple of matches, whatever it is. He's not been under massive pressure. The former Rashford has helped with that as well. But so quietly, he now has three Premier League goals, three Europa, uh, three Europa League goals, and in the last week, three in a week for in all competitions for United, and he's doing brilliant. It's been absolutely fantastic watching him come into the side and be such a such a great force for us going forward. There's been a lot of comparisons to Robin van Persie, which I think is is justified in the style that he plays. And I, I tweeted about this uh, during the uh, Everton game after his goal against Everton that he really has the that type of Rooney finish where, that Rooney really made a career out of where he'd be cutting inside and Rooney's case onto his right foot, but for Greenwood onto his left, shaping as if he's going to put it in the far corner to bend it around the keeper and then just dragging it to the near post and, and catching the keeper out. Wayne Rooney did it brilliantly so many times and Greenwood has that exact same uh, type of shot down to perfection at this point. So many of his goals for United have, have been those kind of shots where he looks like he's shaping to put it in the far corner and then drags it to the near post. I mean, he's, he's just been a, a brilliant, brilliant find for United to come in and have such a positive impact is just brilliant. And I think he deserves more opportunities. 
I think you know I'd have done well in managing expectations for him and not putting him in the limelight too much. But I think now is the time, and Solskjaer mentioned it too, that he's almost becoming impossible to drop. Yeah, yeah. Solskjaer was asked about it at the, at the press conference after the Everton match um, and said, yeah, it's really hard for me not to play him as, as much as I uh, want to keep my other attackers in the side. It's really hard not to start Mason Greenwood and, and it's completely right. And this is... He's. I think the positive thing is he's doing what he's done at, at all the youth levels, and I think that's when you look at a young player coming through for them to carry on with the the same style of play, with the same contributions, with the with the same activity as they've done in the youth teams. That's what you want to see. You want to see that consistency in the in their game because it means that they've they've actually made the transition well. It's not down to a few fortunate goals and it's certainly not for Greenwood he's he's playing uh with freedom but also that composure and that's the big thing Solskjaer spoke about after the game against Everton is that and he actually said Rashford and, and Martial didn't have this um that Greenwood has that ability to receive the ball and wait for a second a couple of seconds and then go for the shot he's got that composure and that's what you saw with his goal against Everton and, and the two against Azad Alkmaar so really positive on that front now, another strike we should talk about is Erling Haaland, who's been linked very heavily to Manchester United. He's been spotted signing a, a Manchester United shirt, but I don't think that has any relevance to his future in the game of football. Solskjaer, again, was asked about Erling Haaland and said he's not going to comment on it, but he knows what he's going to do and that's what he'll do in January. Um, regardless of, of what you think he's going to do, would Erling Haaland be a good signing for Manchester United I think without a doubt he'd be, he'd be a good signing yeah I mean you can't argue with his record so far this season it's been you know an, it's just a ridiculous amount of goals and yes maybe not against the best competition all the time but when he has faced a stiffer competition in the Champions League he's he's really stepped up and, and, and shown that he can make that leap I think you know I'm not going to pretend I'm any kind of expert on Erling Haaland I haven't watched him tons but what I have seen I've been very impressed with and I think any young striker scoring that amount of goals is is worth taking a punt on I would be surprised if he comes in in January I think United as a club and and just most big clubs in general are pretty hesitant to do any big business in January and this strikes me as you know quite a big signing to be to be happening in January but I think maybe Solskjaer sees it as almost cementing his place at United that if he gets the backing of the board to make a, you know, 50 million pound sign or whatever it might end up being. I think that probably you think means that the board are, are definitely buying into him until at least the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a signing which if United can get it done reasonably cheaply, it, it, it does kind of make sense. It wouldn't be my priority as striker, but I think Anthony Martial has, I think the weird thing with Martial is I'm, I'm quite, prone to criticising him in the games where he doesn't contribute that much but even in those games his hold up play is quite important for United the The problem is is that he he still isn't offering enough when he's doing that so I, I, I'm not one of those that's going to claim that Martial is, is inherently lazy is, is not offering stuff and only performs in one out of six matches or whatever but he, he does need to offer more Haaland could replace him in the starting lineup. Uh certainly will put pressure on him the, the weird thing is that he's if he does join United, he's clearly going to be promised that he's going to start most games. Now that that affects the future of, of James and Greenwood potentially, and others. Um, so yeah, I think if United can get it done cheaply, then the arrival of a striker is is certainly 
uh, a welcome one. But I, if, if United are going to only make one signing in January, then I would be heavily focusing upon a, a central midfielder. But obviously, it, it's difficult to, to make such a signing in the January transfer window. I, I, um, I think one potential scenario that could end up playing out is if we are to sign Haaland in, in January, potentially a situation like uh, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea, where you know we sign him and maybe loan him back to Red Bull Salzburg for the rest of the season. I, I think my my only hesitation is, is, as you say, the effect it might have on the rest of our players, because I think especially the likes of Dan James have given enough so far this season to at least make you think that he might be someone that we could rely on long term. And I think definitely deserves the rest of the season as a pretty pretty much guaranteed starter to kind of stake his claim for that. I think the, the thing for me, I agree that striker definitely isn't the main priority United should be looking for. But I think the performances of Martial have been at a level where you wouldn't say we need to replace him. You know, he's been fine. I mean, he, he definitely hasn't been bad and certainly isn't one of our biggest areas of, of like problem areas. But I think if, if if a player like Haaland, someone that you really believe in and really think could be, you know, a, a world-class striker for you to years to come, I don't think Martial's performances are good enough that you would stop yourself from from taking a punt on it. Yeah, certainly. Um, right, we should move on to our youth loan and women's roundup. The under-23 secured a 4-1 win against Reading on Monday evening. They took it away from the Royals in the second half at the Majeski Stadium with goals from Arnel Puigmao, Aliou Traore, Dylan Hukaverf and Tahith Chong. The under-18s got their FA Youth Cup campaign started off in good fashion with a 2-0 win against Lincoln City on Friday evening. I was commentating at the game at Lee Sports Village, which is far too far away from Manchester to attract the kind of crowd you would want for an FA Youth Cup game in the terrible rain and the, the small name opposition probably didn't help on the crowd numbers front either. It's a good United team that uh, the club have got at that level. Andre Masny and goal, the youngest of three Czech Republic goalkeepers at the club, a defence of Lukas Beja, Ted and Mengi, Will Fish and Martin Sviderski, normally a midfielder Sviderski, and a midfield of Hannibal Medjbury, Charlie McCann and Mark Helm with a forward line of Deji Satola, Dylan Ugerwerf and Charlie Wellens. Um, I was most impressed by Charlie McCann, who United signed from Coventry City a couple of years ago. He's, he's so comfortable on the ball. Uh, his range and accuracy of passing is excellent and he and Mark Helm started the moves for, for both of United's goals which came either side of half-time. The first bounced in off Dylan Hugerwerf after Deji Satona cross and the second was a good finish from Hugerwerf actually after a lovely move on the right involving Beja and Charlie Wellens. United now face Norwich City in the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup away from home. United's women's game against Burnley at the weekend was postponed because of the pitch conditions. Right, as we said earlier in the show, uh, the festive period has the, the scheduling on the face of things has been pretty kind to Manchester United, Watford away, Newcastle United at home, and then Burnley away. Um, the, the Burnley away one in particular is one that all people always say big teams struggle with, and actually Burnley have a terrible record at home to to big sides and have occasionally got one scout, which is kind of it's one of those weird kind of storylines that's picked up in football and actually has very little truth to it. Anyway, we'll we'll start with Watford away on Sunday. Um, Watford who are, are having a very bad season in the same way that many other teams that have tripped United up have, have had so far the, the the positive is it's away from home and you might expect them to come out a little bit more than if they were Old Trafford I, I'm reasonably confident ahead of this game and I expect we'll see a very similar starting lineup to the one that, that played Everton actually would you would you make any changes I I probably would but I'll leave them until you've had your your say I think I, I'd I'd probably give Mason Greenwood a start I think he's he's earned it after what he's done I don't know whether that should come through the middle or on the or on the right. 
Uh, I, I just said Dan James deserves a, to be really a guaranteed star for the rest of the season. So maybe play Mason Greenwood through the middle, drop Martial for a game, have Rashford on the left and uh, Greenwood on the right. I think in midfield, I think we need to uh, stick with that three of McTominay, Fred and Pereira. It, it might not be the most effective, but I think that's definitely the best three that we have in there. And then I think the big one for me is Brandon Williams at left back. Uh, like, like I said, I think he offers us pretty much the same as Luke Shaw at this point, but I definitely think it's better off taking the punt on Brandon Williams and seeing what he can offer us rather than relying on Luke Shaw, who's a pretty known quantity at this yeah. point. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I'd probably, I'd actually, um, I'd rest Dan James. Um, I, I'd be tempted to bring in Greenwood for Martial, but I actually think Watford away is one of the games where Martial's hold-up play could be important. The fact that he drops in with his back to goal onto the halfway line and kind of gives the midfielders a bit of an outlet. I think Greenwood does that as well, but um, I think it might be slightly unfair to drop Martial just now. On the other hand, um, I think Greenwood would do a great job, but I'd I'd put Dan James on the bench and then you've got one of the best options from a bench that, that United can have if you play Mason Greenwood on the right, where he's doing very well and I think should play while he's coming into the United side. So front three of Greenwood, Martial and Rashford could work very nicely. In midfield, I'd agree, yeah. McTominay and Fred, definitely. Andreas Pereira is a... Probably the more contentious one. Do you go with a two-man midfield or a three-man? I certainly wouldn't start Juan Mata in that number 10 role, possibly Jesse Lingard, who, uh, I think, what was it, two or three years ago where he had that amazing game at Watford? Yeah. Um, scored two in a 4-2 victory and, and Ashley Young scored a, a free kick as well, I think. That could be an interesting one. In terms of your prediction for the game, what are you expecting? Strangely confident, considering how much of this episode we've spent talking about how bad we are breaking down teams that, that sit deep. I just think Watford defensively are... At least this so far this season have been bad enough that I think even even with our problems breaking down teams that sit deep, I think we we should be able to take care of business against Watford. Yeah, I'll go for a relatively comfortable two 0 win. Nice. I think I've only watched Watford maybe one or two times this season, but one very recently against Liverpool, where Liverpool actually held out for or, or pegged back for quite a while in that game. Eventually won it thanks to the the, the magic of of Mohamed Salah, but. I think the the thing you noticed there was just a there's a really real lack of quality in that Watford side at times in in the way that they give the ball away, make mistakes. So if United are to win this game, they've got to be putting pressure on Watford's defence. That's probably if if Solskjaer goes with a similar team to the one that started against City and beat them, it, it's probably going to come through Jesse Lingard in that number ten role. But it also has to come from from the strikers as well. And Mason Greenwood's work rate will help with that. Now we we don't know whether we're going to record after Watford because the festive period for. For Manchester United podcast, as always, proves a, a tricky time to navigate. Um, Watford on the 22nd, Newcastle 26th, Burnley on the 28th or, or 29th, and then Arsenal on the 1st. So we'll try and fit in some episodes. If not, Newcastle United at home on Boxing Day. It's a pretty good fixture for, for um, United fans. No travelling on Boxing Day, which is, is helpful. D- this whole period, how how do you see United getting through it? Because we, we've said we're confident and I'm, I'm going to go for... A 3-1 United win against Watford. Um, a treat to three goals. In, to be fair, if you look at it recently, apart from Everton, we've been in pretty good goal-scoring form. Yeah, it really um, hasn't been the issue. The issue is that even, within, yeah. even in this period, we can barely keep a clean sheet. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so I, I think 3-1 against Watford, another three goals. We've had three against Colchester, one against Everton, four against AZ, two against City, two against Spurs. Been pretty good so far. Um, but yeah, how do you see United getting through this period? And when we get 
to that game against Arsenal on New Year's Day. The, I think it's an 8pm kickoff. Where will United be sat in the Premier League table? <laughs> well, I think they're, they're two different questions because at the moment, it seems like no one really wants that, uh, wants that top four spot. I mean, Spurs have been doing better under Mourinho, but still don't look like world beaters. Chelsea is starting to come down to earth a little bit after Lampard's great start. I think we're going to struggle over Christmas because... Firstly, a lot of the games will, will be the exact type of games that we've struggled in. You know, you look at Watford, Newcastle, Burnley in the lead up to the Arsenal game and all three are teams that are likely to to sit deep and be tough to break down. And I think I think we'll get a win against Watford, but I think at least one of Newcastle and Burnley will drop points. I think by the end of the of the fifth festive period, we'll probably be just on the edge of the top four, probably quite similar to where we are now. I just think I, I'm I'm not confident enough in United to go out and get nine points from these next three games, even though that is what we should be getting. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, I just don't trust this team to uh, to go out there and, and get get the job done. It's it's been the story of our season is is that inconsistency. I reckon we'll win two out of the out of the three, and then go into Arsenal. When I mean, who knows? By that point, Arsenal could be a rejuvenated team under. Probably Mikel Arteta. So who knows what they're going to look like by by New Year's Day? Yeah, I think we're we're four points off Chelsea. The the um, the draw against Everton was a, a real missed opportunity. Yeah, we are um, four points off. United Chelsea. on twenty five and Chelsea on twenty nine. I think it massively missed opportunity, and that was disappointing. Yeah, I think United will be fifth. I mean, also crazy that twenty nine points from seventeen games yeah. is enough to get you top four. It's not yeah. exactly a great standard this year. Is this thing? in the Premier League outside of Liverpool? We could be a few points clear in the top four by the time we play Arsenal, but we could also be back in in tenth or eleventh. Such is the yeah. the the way that the Premier League is swinging this season. Um, right, we'll leave it there. Hopefully, we'll be recording after Watford. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. As always, for more from Jack throughout the week for the, the Watford game and various other matters, you can follow him on Twitter at, at UTD Tate, T A I T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 